I recently sat my 12-year-old son down to ask him what the metaverse is. His answer? It's like a mirror version of the real world, but where there aren't any limits. Well, obviously, there's a lot of buzz around the metaverse at the moment, but one thing's clear. To make an immersive, hybrid digital universe possible, limitless connectivity is going to play a crucial part. Welcome back to a special podcast from Ericsson. In this episode, I'm joined by Misha Dohler, Chief Architect at Ericsson Silicon Valley, to talk about some of the fundamentals of the metaverse and why 5G is going to play a central role in this emerging cyber-physical world. Misha Dohler, thanks very much for joining me on this podcast. I really appreciate your time. David, great being with you here today. So, um, you know, the metaverse, we're going we're gonna to talk about the metaverse today, and, and that's really a trending topic. Um, but for me, it's, it's still kind of this ambiguous thing. You know, I, I have young kids, and I get it. They, they play Minecraft. They, they like Roblox. Um, and they've done some VR gaming even. But is, is this the metaverse in its infancy? Or, you know, maybe to start us off, can you tell us what, what the metaverse is? Uh, what it maybe isn't, and and you know, does it exist today, or is it still evolving? Is it something that's going to come in the future? Great question. I'm not sure I'm the person who can really define this for humanity, but you know, our pers- our take on this is we wrote a a, a good blog on this. Is is really that um, foremost? It is a it is a social construct, right? So we are really trying to to build something which has uh, really these social interactions weaved into uh, the the digital world, the same way as we would interact, or very similarly how we would interact in the in the real world. So maybe that answers your question because uh, you know the the metaverse does exist already because my daughter also plays Minecraft and uh, she's very engaged with her friends. It clearly is a social construct. She's not only there to to play the game, but she's there to be with her friends. So therefore, you know, that that social fabric is really important. But you also need, you know, to, new, new, new digital kind of acceleration technologies. And uh, we can talk about these later, but uh, really that social construct, in my opinion, is, is really the most important thing of the, of the metaverse. Right, right. And if there's, you know, there's a lot of terms that get used when we talk about things relating to the metaverse, uh, terms like network reality or cyber physical convergence. And, you know, I, I know uh, it doesn't always make sense to put things into buckets, but I, I just wonder, are we talking about the same thing or are these different versions of this evolving ecosystem? That's the beauty of uh, human creativity, right? So we we live in a time where innovation is really accelerating at an exponential pace, and everybody comes up with new concepts and ideas. And uh, you know, I, I I'd like to liken this to the to the age of the emergence of the internet. Back then, we had loads of different terms for what eventually became the internet, right? So today we don't talk anymore about LANs. We don't talk about, you know, whatever these these things were called back then. It is the internet. It's just a, a very abstract construct kind of uh, summarizing the platform. And I think that the metaverse is that term. It will summarize all these very quirky engineering terms. It will, you know, be, be looking at other terminology, hopefully kind of unify that. And it will be our next internet terminology uh, for for the future years to come, mm-hmm. and I mean, you you mentioned we we had a chance to speak uh, earlier just to get in preparation for this this recording, and you talked about kind of this trifecta of of network applications and devices that are that are really the pillars of the universe. But you also talked just uh, before about 
kind of these enabling technologies that are that are kind of the glue that's holding this all together that's really making 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 these these three parts uh, work together can you can you talk a little bit more about about some of these enabling technologies and here I'm thinking like web 3.0 ecosystem blockchains nfts that kind of thing yeah so the uh, the 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 triangle to us is really you know you need that web 3.0 construct I'll come to this in a moment uh, you clearly need the gateways uh, the XR devices and you need the 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 network so this is just from a basic infrastructure layer um, and when it comes to web 3.0 the jury is still out, okay? Could the metaverse survive without it? It probably could, right? But it has something really interesting, Web3.0, which I'm not sure a lot of people paid attention to, is it's very different to our engineering stack, right? So if you think about how we're just communicating on this computer here, right? So we have a technology stack, then somebody writes an application, and then somebody tries to monetize on that, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, Web 3.0 is actually, the monetization is built in before the app, which is really interesting. So you have the infrastructure, the blockchains, right. then you've got the tokens and the financial layer, and only then do you have the application on top. So you cannot run an application which does not generate some form of value. And I think this will have a, a really exponential acceleration effect. And I, I find it very fascinating. And I think that's why it will succeed as an underpinning technology for the metaverse. Mm. I'd like to dive in a little bit more about those those different components of the triangle that you talked about. So so let's start off with devices because you, you need some pretty advanced gadgets to be able to do, you know, to be able to translate information from from the virtual world to the physical world and vice versa, you know, um, what what kinds of devices do we see are going to be, you know, fundamental for for making these kinds of information exchanges possible? So first and foremost, we need something which allows us to be really immersive. Okay, so that's that's really because that's that's really the only way to replay that social fabric in the digital space. But it will take us a while to get there, so therefore currently with our 2D devices, we should be able to enter these metaverses and participate. So whether that is your laptop, your mobile phone, and indeed uh, most uh, metaverse platforms allow you to do that. But in the uh, near term, you know, midterm, we will have, you know, not only VR, let's say, to take another growth because of the metaverse, but also AR. And I think AR is such an interesting construct because we start to engage with the real world, right? And uh, VR has always been kind of a shielded a compute kind of exercise where you try to generate these worlds mm. in a very controlled fashion. AR is so much more difficult because you need to interact with the real world. So, and this is where it becomes really interesting where you start to blur, you know, the differences between the digital um, and the the real worlds, the virtual and the real worlds, and you start to really engage with the environments, possibly add a little bit of haptics there, uh, and other senses to get an XR experience, a much wider experience. And these are the devices which will be emerging over the next years to come. Right, right. And then if we, if we, if we start talking about the network, you know, you mentioned this post that you and your colleagues uh, authored about a month ago, um, talking about, the five, about 5G and the metaverse. You know, what, how does 5G address some of the key technical requirements of of this emerging ecosystem. 
That's a great question. And, uh, you know, we believe that 5G really underpins, uh, uh, you know, much of the metaverse kind of uh, takeoff and uh, adoption. Reason being is because 5G offers, uh, on one hand, the data rate and the latency we really need, right? Mm -hmm. So the data rate is needed for immersion. If you want to transmit really high, high fidelity type of, uh, you know, environments, that's high data rates, nothing you can do. And the latency gives you immediacy. So you have that feeling of really being with somebody together and you can build these emotional bonds, which we can't do with uh, with the likes of Zoom, right? And uh, so this is what 5G gives. But uh, it also gives you something new, a completely new construct, which what we call edge cloud compute. Mm-hmm. And that means that your device would connect, uh, you know, in a, in a high, high, low latency high, uh, highway kind of a data lane to a, a cloud data center which isn't very far from you, right? So most of the cloud apps would communicate with servers who are somewhere in the world, very far. Edge cloud means it's very close to you. That means if I have my augmented reality glasses on, they could just look around, uh, get all the point clouds, transmit that data to an edge cloud. We do all the data processing there, and then we stream down the final result like a Netflix movie. And uh, the advantages is, you know, doing this low latency is you can do this fully immersive. So as you move your head around, you wouldn't even notice that compute isn't done in your glasses. Mm. It's done somewhere else. Right. And uh, the the real benefit of that is, is that my glasses do not need to have, uh, you know, huge compute power, doesn't need to have a lot of battery. It becomes lighter, it becomes cheaper and therefore affordable, really, to the wider the, the wider population. And and then there's two other parts of this that I that I I read in your post that I think are really interesting to mention. One, you know, uh, mobile connectivity has eight billion subscribers around the world on a single global standard. So both the the scale on um, for for mobility and and wireless networks as well as the standards are really important to to this ecosystem, right? If you want to be able to use, you know, be in the metaverse wherever you are, you need something that that is everywhere, correct? Oh, that's a great point. And in fact, you know, kudos to our community. Today, you can buy a mobile phone in the US, a SIM card in, in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. You can call your friend who's in Australia who got the phone maybe from Japan. And that, that happened because, or that can happen because we introduced these telecom standards. And uh, equally, we, we will need more standards around the metaverse specifically. That's maybe one of our challenges. Um, And actually 3GBP, which is our underlying standard in telecoms is looking at, you know, new XR type of, so, you know, extended reality type of um, standards capability within the mobile community. But we also need haptic codex. We need uh, standards around volumetric signals. Think of uh, the success of the MPEX, right? Or the MP3, because today I can take a, you know, a video on my iPhone. I can play it on my HP computer. It's no problem with that, okay? Mm-hmm. Before there was a vendor lock-in. We don't want the vendor lock-in for very specific haptic codex. So therefore we need standards around that. And the third one is we really need standards around uh, the metaverse itself. Because if, if it really wants to be the next internet, we need standards so the different uh, metaverses or omniverses can actually talk to each other in a standardized mm-hmm. way. And to some degree, blockchains provide that already, but not all of that. So therefore, we need standards in comms, in uh, haptic codecs, in volumetric codecs, as well as in the metaverse. Right.
You know, if I, if there's just one other uh, follow up that I want to ask about when it comes to the the network component of all this, because you know the developer ecosystem is so important to being able to to uh, stimulate and create all the many different applications that are going to be part of the universe, yeah, the the metaverse. And I'm wondering, you know, how important are network APIs going to be for all of this? How 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 are we going to make sure that all these different applications and all these different vert corners of the metaverse are going to be able to work with each other? Uh, it's a great, it's great observation. It's, and it's hugely important. And, uh, you know, fortunately, 5G has made a massive transformation from uh, being, you know, in the 4G era, very kind of uh, box and, uh, you know, hardware driven construct to in the 5G era being a very software driven construct. So for the first time, we are able to think of 5G being a, a platform, right? Like the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, when, when you ask people, what's the internet? they will not think about the cables and the switches and the routers that are pinning it, right? So they think about the great applications and platforms, uh, monetization aspects and all that. So that's what they think of. 5G is now at par that we can do the very same thing. So for the first time, we can start uh, thinking developers. We can think SDKs. We can think APIs. So a future we we, we kind of dream about is where we would have developers. Let's let's take uh, for instance a game developer, an Unreal Engine or Unity, would just uh, take some APIs from the Unity or, or Unreal App Store, embed it into the game, and that API can speak directly to the network API. So every time somebody plays a game uh, on the run on the mobile phone, it would automatically set up slices, get rid the best experience going and because we have standards we can do this at global scale and that's what we can do with 5g today and i think the whole community operators vendors they wake up to the to the potential to the exponential potential of the developer community Mm. you know that's that's a good segue to talk about some of these emerging applications that are that are evolving in the in the metaverse because you know once you have this limitless high high performance connectivity and these really cool uh, mixed reality devices in place you know you can do some really really cool things so i'm wondering if you can you know give us a few more examples of the kinds of applications whether they be consumer or enterprise or business um, applications that we see see evolving so today we we see already a lot of b2b appetite Right. So business to business and specifically in the areas of uh, training, of upskilling. So imagine a company wanting to show, you know, products, uh, their own products to a customer or once a customer has has, uh, purchased the product, wants to train them on how to use it and how to open certain components, how to plug things. So having a much more immersive environment in the metaverse, ideally maybe with an instructor, which could even be AI Powered, so we mm-hmm. not necessarily need uh, you know humans for this specific use case. Allows you know companies to really go to scale with the, with the, with the upskilling exercise. So the, I think that is a great great use case. Another one, of course, universities think about teaching. You know, different universities now looking specifically the the medicine departments. Medicine is very very difficult to teach from books. So students go, you know, from a two D paper construct uh, straight into hospitals. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
in between, well, what is in between? The metaverse comes along. We can now start teaching students in a much more immersive way on, on various aspects of medicine. So I think this is super, super interesting. But then we also will have, I think, the emergence of uh, conducting a business. So at the moment, you know, uh, people just hold if you if you go in the metaverse, you know, there will be exhibitions, NFT exhibitions and all that. You can sell and buy artwork. Uh, there's no they say there's no 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 real business case case beyond the art world at the moment. Uh, but companies start looking, saying, hey, you know, people spend time now there where there's time, there's attention, mm -hmm. there's attention, there's a sales opportunity. So it will not be long before companies will jump in, open stores. So, you know, I imagine a future where I can buy my red jacket, you know, in the metaverse. I can buy a pizza there maybe. And of course, that needs to be linked to the real world because somehow this needs to be shipped to me then as a person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, loads of different applications coming, B2B, uh, B2C, and maybe even the government could uh, learn from that, you know, for various training uh, training exercises. So the, it, it is all encompassing as an opportunity. Mm. You know, and and what we've been speaking about now has been, it's really quite aspirational, but of course there's there, there are challenges with the evolution of the metaverse and, and especially things that need to be addressed like privacy and ethics. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, for, for this last question, what what do we what can we do already now to start you know setting a framework for for ethical governance of of the metaverse? Uh, it's a it's a great question, David. And, and you know what typically happens? What we have seen with the internet construct, we first built that digital fabric, and then we started to worry about you know uh, privacy. We started to worry about ethics and. Um, you know, in a more general sense, you know, privacy is a subset of ethics. Uh, you know, there's uh, transparency and other things in, in the bucket of ethics. And uh, let me maybe talk about privacy first. And it, it, is, a, it is a real challenge. And uh, we have seen as we do this as a patchwork uh, later on, it didn't work out. Currently, privacy is a T and C issue, right? Terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. You need to accept it. And we all accept it because we want to use the services, right? So has anybody read the T's and C's of Google Maps? I'm not sure, no. right, or, <laughs> or Facebook. So we just accept that. And the, the, the challenge I think we start to see is that you can you, you can trust quite a lot of companies, but other companies you cannot because uh, even themselves, they don't sometimes know what's happening to their data. Um, and uh, therefore, being able to, to, to go forward now with the metaverse, I think we need something what I call privacy by engineering design. So we need to build in privacy really into the metaverse engineering construct. So it, it shouldn't be in T and C things saying, hey, do you accept this and that? Simply because we wouldn't be able to to, to, to even enforce that. And the other problem is if uh, your metaverse runs on a Web 3.0 blockchain construct, there's no owner. There's a distributed ownership structure, right? So who do you really blame for that? And uh, uh, who do you really would bring to, to, to court if something goes wrong? So we need to start work on regulation. We need to start working on policy. But we also need to get hands-on as engineers, uh, computer scientists, to make sure we build privacy in them. Mm -hmm. And from an ethics point of view, this is much broader. Uh, the question is, where do we want to be as a society if we accept that vision that, you know, the metaverse will be a social construct of the future? Uh, then we need to start thinking, how do we want this to look like? Right. So do we want this to mimic acceptable norms of our physical world or are we ready to accept wider kind of uh, ethical uh, norms or narrow? So mm -hmm. and typically what we observe is, you know, 
when you start creating these digital new technologies, you, you always get that fringe of, um, you know, very the, the fringe applications and fringe behavior you really don't want to see. So the question is, you know, can we kind of counteract this very early on by smart designs, smart policies and smart enforcement? This is a super interesting uh, area and something we could definitely talk uh, a lot more about. So that might have to be a follow-up episode uh, to this one. But uh, Misha Dola, I just want to say thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, this has been super interesting conversation. Pleasure. Thank you, David, and greetings from Silicon Valley. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>